1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps.
0: Monster House presents...
3: Hey there. What follows is an audio version of an interview originally recorded as part of our Monster Talk live streaming series that Karen and I hosted during 2020. As of this posting, we're not currently doing those live shows, but they are archived on YouTube. You can check the show notes for a link to this particular episode. And the live format's definitely something we're going to try to get back to in the future. These episodes do not get the normal editing treatment of a traditional Monster Talk, and because of the variety of issues that happen during live recordings, the audio quality may be wildly varied, and you should assume there will be some not safe for work content, so I'm posting all of these as explicit just in case. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Monster Talk. Your contributions at patreon.com forward slash Monster Talk, and your positive reviews on the podcasting platforms and applications that you use to listen. Help us reach new listeners and spread the important message that monsters can be a great tool to learn critical thinking. We need critical thinking now more than ever. Monster Talk is hosted by me, Blake Smith, and my co-host, Dr. Karen Stolzno. If you enjoy this show, please check out our deep catalog of fascinating interviews with experts about psychology, sociology, anthropology, folklore, religion, and more.
0: Monster
3: Talk. All right. We are live on YouTube. All right. Welcome to Monster Talk Live. I'm Blake Smith. Great.
0: And I'm Karen Stolzno, good evening, yeah. good morning, and, uh, we, depends where
3: you are in the world. With, yeah. <laughs> Well said. So, um, reminder, if you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash monster talk. Um, tonight we are joined by Joe Laycock and Natasha Michaels, which I'm saying correctly for the first time in years and years. So that's yes. very exciting. Um, and who,
0: who are friends of the show and have been on a number of times.
3: Yeah, yeah. And um tonight we're going to be talking about um our Lord and Savior Satan. So that's exciting. So hey, Satan? <laughs> Which after uh, you know, our most previous episode, our most recent episode was about um, most
0: previous. <laughs> our most
3: pre our most previous episode <laughs> right up to this one <laughs> was our episode about the uh, documentary uh, "We Believe in Dinosaurs." So it's, it's obviously fitting to go right from creationism and evolution into let's talk about the devil, right?
0: Straight so, to hell, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so welcome, uh, Joe, and yeah, Natasha. welcome to the
0: show.
5: Thanks so much. Yes, yeah, it's. it's- good to see you it's good to see anybody
0: <laughs> yeah tell us about it yeah,
3: yeah th- so yeah. K- this is karen's doing i she uh strong-armed me uh using some uh blackmail stuff to get me to get on camera it's really great. Uh, black magic yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: but it was it was your idea to to bring joe and, and natasha on the show uh, blake blake magic
3: <laughs> Blake magic
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the very worst kind
3: it is it is terrible Yep. So, so, um, Joe, um, you have a new book out. You want to talk about it?
5: Sure. Yeah, the the new book is uh, called "Speak of the Devil." Ooh, uh, nice. How the cool. changing the way we talk about religion from Oxford University Press. Uh, it came out in February. Uh, we had a release party, and it, it we basically ran out of copies almost immediately. Nice. Uh, is, is a university press. And so I don't think that they are used to the kind of demand that was because I said, there's the satanic temple, which I'll talk about in a second. They want to know what I said about them.
0: And, <laughs> oh, yeah. of them. Uh,
5: and, and so we'll probably have to do like a second printing or something like this. Um, That's but, great. You know, for people who never heard of the satanic temple, I always tell them they're the people that wanted to put a statue of the devil up at the Oklahoma Capitol. Yeah. I always go, oh, those guys. Oh, yeah. okay, You're right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's exactly the conversation I have with my husband during dinner tonight. That,
5: that's right. So, yeah. so this is a book about that group. I've been writing about the Satanic Temple since they tried to uh, put the statue up, which so almost from the beginning in, in 2013. And I wrote about them for uh, an online magazine called Religion Dispatches. And my editor loved the Satanic Temple. and He said, you know, every time you, you write about them, we get a lot of hits. Uh, and so I kept covering them for years and I, uh, you know, became fairly familiar with Lucian Greaves, who's one of the founders and sort of the spokesperson. Um, and then eventually I decided this is, this is worth a book um, for a lot of reasons. One, to just kind of set the record straight about what this group is and, and where it came from and how it came to be. But more so because uh, they are kind of changing how Americans think about religion. And this is a big um, this is the question in religious studies is what actually is religion. And most people assume, well, it's, it's basically beliefs and practices about God or something that seems a lot like that. Uh, and so this is a group that's actively saying, no, is, the, you don't have to be, you don't have to believe in God to be, to be a religion. And of course, the Supreme court has said that, uh, for years, but most people have never really thought about it. And as a result, as I, I had a, a Google news alert for the word satanic while I was researching this book because I wanted to know what people were saying about this group. And I found um, conservative Christians who said, I no longer believe in religious freedom, because if it means that the Satanists get rights, then, then religious freedom is bad. I don't, I don't want us to have that in a society. And then I found, them. People, I found people who said, well, I used to be an atheist. I never thought I would be a religious person, but now I've joined the Satanic Temple, and now I'm, I consider myself very religious, so that's very interesting to me, right, the, that these yeah. kinds of changes are coming, and I think it's because this is a group that basically forces, their, f- forces a kind of platform by you know, filing lawsuits and things like this, creating, mm-hmm. creating situations where their arguments have to be heard and, and listened to. Um, and so that's, that's why I find them interesting uh, from a religious studies perspective, not that they claim to be Satanists or they wear black or they're spooky or funny, um, but this, the way that they're affecting this word religion.
3: How much in the book uh, is... A, sorry, go ahead, Karen.
0: Yeah. just going to ask. Uh, so they're one of several um, churches of Satan's uh, satanic groups in the country, aren't they? They're, are they the biggest one in America?
5: They're probably the biggest one by the numbers. It's very hard to count Satanists for a lot of reasons. <laughs> this, this applies to um, atheists too, right? We don't really know how many mm-hmm. atheists there are because in some countries... You're, you used to be pressured to to identify as an atheist. So, for example, there's lots of atheists in China, right? Um, and in say, the United States, you're, you're pressured to not come out as, as an atheist. So it's, it's hard to count. Mm. This all applies double to Satanists. Because right?
3: they can turn invisible, too. That's a lot.
5: But sort of modern Satanism was founded in 1966 by Anton LaVey in San Francisco. And the official position of the Church of Satan, which he founded, is that we don't count... We, we, we don't count how many of us there are. Um, they have at one point kind of implied that, were, that there were lots of them, that they were a really big organization. Um, it seemed that there's not that many people who are card-carrying members uh, of, the, of the Church of Satan. Um, but they're, a, they're a, a, a non-theistic satanic group, meaning this is for us a kind of psychotherapy. It's catharsis. It's mythology. Mm-hmm. But we don't believe in a real Satan. Um, the Satanic Temple is the same way. Um, the temple usually reports their numbers as being you know 10,000 or something like that but that's really just people who are on their mailing list right some of those are quite serious about it and some of them are you know Christians who want to see what they're up to or or (laughs) or all kinds of things Um, there are other types of contemporary um, satanism that are theistic that actually believe there's a really a satan or if there's not a real satan there is some sort of metaphysical sort of uh, dark force in the universe because why else would we do all these rituals right? If, if there wasn't. Um, and I, I even did a podcast with a theistic Satanist who said, all this stuff with the Satan temple is is very offensive to us, right because this is our this is our God and they're using it as basically a, a, a prop for kind of political theater, right and, and, and I appreciate that. So that's kind of the lay of the land as far as religious Satanism uh, goes.
3: So, so Satan can be both metaphor and a, a literal deity for for different groups, I suppose, right? And
5: that's right. It depends on who you're, you're speaking to. But the overwhelming majority of people who identify as, as Satanists are non theistic Satanists. Satan is their favorite fictional character. Well,
3: <laughs> oh, and so there's a, a there's this concept of Luciferian, right? So that I see used. I think I first became aware of it actually through the Heaven's Gate cult. Um, way before they killed themselves, I had gotten some material, uh, recruiting material from a friend who sent it to me while I was in the Navy. And it all talked about the Luciferians. And it made me think a lot about the the sort of story of uh, the Garden of Eden, where you've got the character of the serpent, which has now become associated with Lucifer, although that's not really literally in the text. And there's this idea that the tree that Lucifer is like, Suggesting they eat is the tree of knowledge, and I guess of knowledge of good and evil. But it is a tree of knowledge, and in a sense, Lucifer is serving as almost a uh, Prometheus character. Give them knowledge, and now they're kicked out of paradise. And there's that whole metaphor around, um, you know, knowledge can be painful, and knowledge is a terrible thing, and knowledge uh, is is in this sense, it's the gateway to. Everything we've accomplished, but at the price of having to leave paradise, the paradise of ignorance. I don't know. So do you you run into people who treat Luciferian sort of approaches as as a as a concept where Lucifer is a hero for getting us out of that stupid garden so we can go out and do some stuff? Or, Or is that just me imagining that?
5: No, absolutely. I mean, as early as probably the second or second to fourth century, you had Gnostics, right? Gnostic Christians who said, no, no, the snake was the good guy, right? The being that you call God is like the matrix, right? wants us to keep us trapped in this false reality. And the snake was trying to get us out. The snake was like Morpheus or something. <laughs> um, and, and and so the, the Gnostics- and the are,
3: apple's a red pill. Come on, man. It's all right there in the text, right? <laughs> uh-huh.
5: so, so that kind of different interpretation is, is very old. Um, but sort of the modern roots of, of religious Satanism go to- um, the romantics uh, of the 19th century. Not the band, not the band. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. not the band. But people like Lord Byron um, and uh, Blake and people like this. Not me,
3: but yeah. Not yeah. you,
5: yeah. Must <laughs> be <laughs> immortal or something like this. Right, but people who were sort of, um, saw saw Satan as the good guy as being sort of a tragic character. Um, and this, this dovetailed with, Um, critiques of monarchy as a system of governments, um, critiques of the church, um, attitudes, uh, that science should triumph over dogma and things like this. And these are basically all the same things that get tied up for, uh, modern Satanists, right? Modern Satanists, well, Satan is a symbol of all these progressive Enlightenment, uh, ideas. And that's why he's our favorite fictional character. Mm -hmm.
0: So um, with the, the Satanic Temple, uh, in your book, you write about a number of stunts that they've pulled. So uh, wanting to set up uh, the Satanic statues and things like that. Some of the other things you talk about are like uh, Satanic nativity scenes, wanting to set those up and uh, to institute Satanic prayers uh, and after-school Satan. I'm, I'm very intrigued by what after-school Satan is.
5: Right. So I mean, a big part of their kind of public face is... Um, Doing these stunts basically designed to prove a very simple point, which is, Mm -hmm. why do you let Christians have this access to a government platform and government resources? You wouldn't want a minority religion to have the same access, uh, and you especially wouldn't want Satanists to have the same access. So Mm -hmm. when they tried to put a Ten Commandments monument um, in in Oklahoma, which, by the way, that that simply violated the Oklahoma state constitution. And it was actually a Baptist Mm -hmm. pastor who sued and said, this is... This is bad for both Christianity and for the state. Um, so so the, the Static Temple's uh, proposal, of, well, we want a statue of the devil up as well, that didn't have any direct effect on the Ten Commandments mind being removed. But there were people who said, well, let's just rewrite the state constitution so that we can put Christian symbols everywhere. And I did find conversations with people who said, well, what about those Satan guys? Aren't they going to come back if we write rewrite the constitution? <laughs> um, so, so they did kind of make a point, point. Um, and they've done this with with lots of other things. Um, a, a big campaign that they did um, was called After School Satan. This is a response to a group called the Good News Club. Um, the Good News Club uh, sets up um, after school programs in public schools all over America and does um, basically Sunday school. Uh, and, uh, uh, Kristen Stewart wrote a book on the good news club. And in that book, she found that there were cases where uh, people said, you know, there's a church across the street. Could you take the students across the street and do Sunday school there after school? And supposedly the good news club said, no, we have to do it in the public school because we want kind of the authority of the school to be behind our evangelizing. And there was a case where a school tried to sue and get rid of them. And and they, they lost the case. They said, you have to let everybody. Uh, in. Well, if you have to let everybody in, that means you have to let in the Satanists. So the Satanists <laughs> did this, and um, they, they created a complete curriculum, um, and they, they tapped um, uh, Camp Quest, which is um, uh, a humanist um, uh, summer camp uh, sort of program. So they had a real curriculum, and it was <laughs> things like learning about nature and learning about, I don't know, things like... Baleen. Uh, what was it? Baleen. What's Baleen? Baleen believe like Ble- Ble-
4: they they had like they had like um looking at things that like how not to bully or how to, do oh, what oh, to
0: bullying. Do.
4: Yeah, I yeah, thought you great. were saying
3: she's pronouncing bowling the weirdest I've ever heard it. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> I, I understood what you meant. Yeah, <laughs> the, like you know what to do when you're.
3: No, playing no, playing no, basketball. you're right. Yeah, bullying. bullying. What all the
0: kids did to you, Blake?
3: <laughs> Is that, you know, I'm I'm very familiar <laughs> with bullying, so I, I assure you.
0: <laughs> and that seems all of those kinds of things seem to be a lot more real world and and useful.
5: Right. (laughs) It it was not. Well, that's the thing is people were saying, well, this isn't real. The 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 Good News Club is doing they have a real curriculum and this is just trying to scare people. If you look into what the school Satan Club was, they actually did have an entire school year's worth of curriculum with lesson Mm. plans and modules and things like that. The reason that that program was not successful ultimately was because um, their insurer said, we don't want to insure you. We didn't realize this was a satanic thing. Mm-hmm. Which I don't actually think that's the case.
3: Really? Uh, yeah. We never okay. really
5: For good reason. You, you need a, a ton of insurance to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that kind of shut the program down. I know people who were involved, and they, they said we're going to do it again. Uh, it's it's on hold, but we're we're, we're going to make it happen. Uh, but it was. A I, s- I'm
3: trying to figure out what the actuarian tables are related to the Satan. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. And one of the things,
4: you know, I, I accompany Joe on a lot of his field work, um, just because I'll get roped at anything for like a beer and promise of a pizza at the end of it. And um,
0: of
3: that really, there are, there are worse bases of marriage. In, in, in...
0: <laughs> my husband does the same thing; we, so, we so, both tag along to whatever we're doing.
3: That's nice. That's very nice. So.
4: But one of the things that's really remarkable is, you know, on one hand, it does seem like this is like kind of all being done for publicity but i think the after school satan program is a great example that you know for the people that are involved with the satanic temple like this is really meaningful to them and um there's this one theologian paul Tillich, who talks about religion as being basically your ultimate concern and that it doesn't have to be god it can be something else and for these people like this Mm -hmm. satanism as like kind of a, a, a freeing philosophy was their ultimate concern and um you know it, these people were not ingenuine and were not just trying to like you know shock everyone they really this was very deeply obviously very deeply held to them
5: so what you don't understand about this is hanning temple is the media only reports on these big public kind of stunts but there are chapters <laughs> all over america um, and those chapters meet regularly they have book clubs uh, I got to go to a satanic barbecue here in Austin. Um, when Christians get together and do these things, they call it fellowship. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you only know about these big stunts, you might well assume, well, this is not real, right? This is just sort of the kind of trolling. Uh, if you actually look at all the things that this this group does that are not uh, reported on or the public's not invited to, including religious rituals, they do satanic rituals that are just for them. Uh, it looks less like a prank and, and more like a, a, a serious
3: religion in a in a satanic barbecue do they use like a mustard-based <laughs> barbecue sauce for the babies or like a tomato-based oh, yeah. barbecue sauce for the babies i, I was just they really wondering. eat babies <laughs> think, there were other people
5: in the park and i don't think anyone knew that this was a group of satanists i mean there were more black t-shirts probably than, than <laughs> other than that it looked like any other group that you would see in the park one of them had a corgi uh, this, they brought their kids. They were playing kickball. Um, I think someone may have been playing some slip knot or something. That might have been a clue. But, but generally, a satanic barbecue looks like anybody else's barbecue.
3: I was actually actually literally wondering about potlucks if that was like part of things. So I, I just absolutely is because I mean I for me personally uh, as much as you know I've, I I'm very I came from a very religious background. And I'm very I'm, I I remember the joys of being involved in church. Um, it just began to conflict with my personal beliefs, but I still miss the camaraderie and I miss the potlucks. And and so uh, I don't know if I'm ready to take up uh, metaphorical Satanism to get that in my life, but I do
0: love a potluck. I think, <laughs> I think that's a, a question. Um, do you think that they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot, in the feet, in the, hoof. Um, yeah. in the hooves? <laughs> With this kind of facade, uh, because as you say, a lot of this is kind of, uh, you know, uh, camaraderie and and uh, humanism, really skepticism, atheism. Um, and do you think that they, that they'd be more successful if they didn't have this kind of uh, this front, this this label, this kind of name, and and which a lot of people misinterpret as oh, they're just out to harass us or mock us, or uh, that they truly do believe in in Satan. Do you think they'd have more impact if they uh, didn't? Use that title.
5: Yeah, I mean, this this definitely um, occurred to me because you know groups like Life Site News, which is a Catholic pro-life news outlet, seems to love the Satanic Temple. They report on them more than anybody else because they can say, "Look, this is what we've been saying for years. Anyone who believes in legal abortion is a Satanist, right? And (laughs) is the enemy of all humanity and hates God." and here's a smoking gun, right? Look look at these people. I I got to talk to um, their lawyer who represented their reproductive rights case in Missouri. The lawyer, interestingly, is a Presbyterian elder and teaches Sunday school, Um, but but he objected to Missouri's laws um, as a a Christian, but he did tell them, guys, why don't you call yourselves the Free Thinkers Club or something like that, right? This isn't gonna sound well if we go in there and and you guys are, are, are Satanists. Um, I've taught the Satanic Temple, though, and they say, first of all, we really are Satanists. We didn't pick this out of a hat or something like that. Satan actually means <laughs> something to us. Um, and they also have said, you know, we think that our, our opponents are so hysterical that it really doesn't matter whether we actually are Satanists or not. These are people who think monster energy drink is Satanic. Right. And and the the Procter and Gamble logo is, is satanic. Ooh, that's a deep cut from
3: way back. Yeah. Yeah,
5: yeah. (laughs) But but I have a chapter about that in in the book and sort of how they are taking this discourse of evil and popular imaginations of, of what evil is and trying to sort of flip it. Right. Because a big part of what they do is they do charity work. (laughs) And it's like, look, we're the bad guys. If we're doing more charity work than the Christians, we're doing more to feed the homeless you know what does that mm. say about them um and and so it, it's it's a it's a strategy it's a risky strategy though because you always run the risk of just sort of reinforcing this idea yeah. that this evil conspiracy
3: is is out there
0: yeah it's certainly good publicity to use such an inflammatory name
3: i'm so old that <laughs> i remember the procter and gamble stuff from facts I remember lore. It too. facts lore <laughs> though i mean it's <laughs> okay <laughs> Like well, we had mimeograph copies at our church. That's real. So <laughs>
4: but- <laughs> one of the most interesting things that Joan covered was that there were some people who told the Satan Temple, you're not good Satanists because they weren't sufficiently evil or because Unholier
3: were- than thou. I get it.
0: Yeah. You've got to be immoral.
4: Thing- yeah. Taken aback yeah. by like this, you know,
0: I don't know who
4: who decides who is Satan, like who's an appropriate or a correct Satanist.
5: But we yeah. are always trying to balance. You know, we are nice, reasonable people, and you shouldn't want us in your public schools because we're Satanists. And so it's this kind of constant back and forth of are you guys really Satanists um, or, or 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 not? So when they set up their headquarters in Salem, for example, uh, Malcolm Jerry, one of the co-founders, uh, wanted to hold an ice cream social, a Satanic ice cream social, and invite the mayor cool. to Salem and all this. And there were people who were like really ice cream socials that's what we should be doing as as satanists um so so that that tension i think is is unavoidable and it's constantly being um
0: depends on the flavors
3: <laughs> it, yeah yeah I mean you don't get ice cream in hell based on the the things I've read so yeah
0: yeah
3: <laughs> get hot. it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. something uh, to remember for later so yeah so the, the, do the um I was going
0: to just ask about the costumes. Do, uh, the, the satanic temple followers, um, do they get into the costumes like some of the other groups or or not really the psychodrama and.
5: Yeah. I I think, um, I think for some people that is a big, uh, uh, appeal, right. As you get to sort of dress how you want to dress. Um, I went to, uh, a political rally they did in Arkansas in 2018. And, you know, people have called them things like the hot topic army, Right, there's a lot of a lot of black. Uh, we have a friend here who headed the San Marcos the Tank Temple. He is a he's a Renaissance Festival jouster, um, and he showed up in Arkansas in his plate mail with like uh, this sort of satanic version of like a Knights Templar standard and things things like this. Um, I've also talked to Malcolm Jerry, who said who does go these things and is very inconspicuous, and said. Um, when I want to go to a static event, I wear a suit because I think suits are the most evil. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All evil people wear suits. Um, so there's, there's sort of room to express yourself.
0: Yeah. With that's a tie cool. or without.
5: Hmm. I think with a tie. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Tie, yeah.
3: <laughs> where's he, where, where's, where's he like, are, like he's in Salem.
5: Yeah.
3: Salem. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause it was Texas. It'd be a bolo, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's right. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Good like...
5: point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We're I've seen Texas. Yeah,
3: we we have uh offices.
0: Cravat. In,
3: yeah, and we and cowboy boots, blue jeans, uh an oxford shirt and a bolo and you're Texas business casual. So. <laughs> so that's So, so yeah. funny. So. But so so metaphorically, so you've got the 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 satanic temple and you have the church of satan. Are they do they consider themselves allies or, or not
5: quite quite the opposite
3: yeah that's that's kind of the impression i got okay yeah
5: so been yeah. compared to this the situation has been compared to the Protestant reformation in the turn in the sense that you have two two sects where before there was only one each claiming why the other one is a false expression of this religion right uh, and only we are the the true satanists and you guys either have become <laughs> corrupt or kind of you have you have gone rogue, and you don't really understand what this was ever really uh, uh, about. Um, but uh, if you look at say Twitter, you will see constant um, accusations back and forth between uh, the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan. The Church of Satan has even uh, coached some of the conservative Christians um, in lawsuits um, about you know these are the arguments you should raise to try to discredit the Satanic Temple uh, in, in court. Wow, so it's 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 pretty uh, pretty brutal at this point. So yeah, no no love lost.
3: Is there is there any like anybody that transcends <laughs> those those boundaries? Like, is, is Jane Mansfield appreciated by both or like? <laughs> right. <it's> like that.
5: <laughs> that, that's the other thing. So this uh, I mentioned Anton LaVey earlier. If, yeah. If you go to Salem and you visit the Satanic Temple headquarters, um, they have a room called the Panic Room, as in Satanic Panic. Okay. This whole library of books on Satanism. There's not a single book there by Anton Levay.
3: What have you done for mm-hmm. me, Levately? Exactly. <laughs> so,
5: so Levay is noticeably absent. Um, mm-hmm. However, when I talk to different chapters around the country of the Ang Temple, um, a lot of them read Levay in their book clubs and things like this. And and even if they didn't, a lot of them said, "Well, of course." When I was 16, I bought the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey and I used it to scare my neighbors or or whatever. Um, So so LaVey was definitely an an influence on on this group. Um, But a lot of LaVey's ideas in the Satanic Bible are seen by modern Satanists as being homophobic and misogynistic. Um, LaVey uh, was a big fan of Ayn Rand and sort of brutal libertarianism. Um, The Satanic (laughs) Temple is pretty progressive socially. Um, So even the ones who admire LeVay would say there are places where I just can't get together with him on, on these big issues.
0: Yeah. I have to add here that uh, just got a very short anecdote where my husband actually met him, Anton LeVay, when um, my husband was a young boy. Um, His parents owned a little, um, I guess, general store in Northern California, just out in a rural area. And uh, he came into the store. I think he was wanting, A fishing license or something and so Matt's mother was dealing with him and he was a real asshole he was just poking her and prodding her and being really insulting and abusive and and just trying to set her off and um, he apparently bought an ice cream and oh no didn't buy it just stole an ice cream and stood there and just ate it and so he's ice cream antisocial
3: and... that's what you're saying, right? <laughs> yes, yes
0: yes therein lies the difference <laughs> but apparently he was just really really nasty and uh matt's mum was was very upset and and matt thought cool <laughs> this guy's cool he's pissing <laughs> off my mum. <laughs> if
5: you read LeVay's writings right he would say at least i'm not a hypocrite right i, I never yeah. claimed to be this nice person right you know, oh yeah yeah he was take you seriously so.
0: yep <laughs> well,
5: you know,
4: you'll have to ask matt um Anton LaVey wrote an essay against bathing w- with the argument that you should never take a bath because it was deceptive to not let your natural pheromones accumulate on your body. And-
0: huh. Okay. So we want to know if that's true.
4: I want to know did he smell?
0: like, was he a smell? I'm going to text him right now. I want to know. <laughs> Let's get this live.
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Some people
4: enjoy the waves or whatever, uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio
1: book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people are experimenting with that right now. <laughs> oh, he's standing right.
0: He, he was stinky. He was stinky he
3: was stinky that's <laughs> funny <It's> like,
0: <laughs> Matt just Matt just came to the door and was like <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a hypocrite he yeah there you go
5: he said he shouldn't. well he would say things sometimes that were clearly just just jokes to kind of get a rise out of people but yep. um yeah. biographers of the oh. Bay have speculated that he probably smelled pretty terrible <laughs> near the end of his life <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i
3: mean yeah uh, the, uh, you know uh, Forget about those baptismal symbology. I think just, uh, you know, do I remember reading a story one time where like th- there was a whole thing about, do you offend? And it was an advertisement for antiperspirant. I, God, I think it might have been an Ogden Nash story. <laughs> and I just, I kept thinking about, do you offend? Do you offend? And it was like an ad for, for antiperspirant. But yeah, I mean... Obviously naturally people used to stink really badly and now we don't have to. So it's a choice. It's a choice.
0: In some parts of California it's just culturally.
3: Yeah, acceptable. I mean, you know, <laughs> why who needs a bath when you've got patchouli? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 we yeah. So we should talk Natasha since you you yes. guys are a religious studies power couple. Like what are you up yeah. to, Natasha? So,
4: um so uh I've been um teaching online like a lot of other academics. Um one of the big things I'm up to is I um have been working on founding a journal um out of our monster seminar that we had at Texas State, I think about a year ago at this point. Um cool. it was so positive. Blake was there, it was great, and um there was so much energy that we actually found a journal, the journal of gods and monsters. Uh right. it's an online open access journal. Um, so, uh, anyone can, can read it and anyone can submit. So we are working on getting our first, um, our first issue out, uh, it is double blind peer reviewed, and that is always a big delay in getting you know, yeah. research published, but it does ensure that the research is, is quite good. Um, and when do you think the first issue
0: will come out?
4: Uh, we're hoping, um, I would anticipate maybe in, in late June or July. Um, oh, great. Well, so, soon. Yeah, quite soon. Um, And we've been working really closely with, we're quite fortunate here at Texas State University that our um, philosophy department tech person, our kind of IT specialist, uh, is also Mm -hmm. really into monsters. So shout out to Andrew Boyd. Um, Nice. Uh, has been really kind of passionate about helping us get this thing up and running and helping us kind of work through the kinks of peer review. And we made a little brand and everything, Um, which, you know, is kind of a upstart journal was just me with Microsoft Paint trying to make something that look professional. But I think it turned out really great.
0: Great. Outstanding. Congratulations.
4: Thank you. Well,
3: when we post this online, we can put some links in the show notes. That'd
4: be wonderful. Yes. Anyone out there that has... Um, Articles they want to submit, we'd love to see them. Um, So, like I said, our first uh, special issue is going to be on uh, monsters and boundaries and kind of boundary crossing. Um, And then we are also um, kind of talking about maybe doing a special issue at some point in the future on um, female monsters in Asia. Uh, Because there's a lot of really cool female figures in kind of Asian religious traditions that are terrifying and, and monstrous. Of course, you know, what is a monster can always come up in those kinds of conversations.
3: It's it's interesting. The the what is a monster is much like the what is a religion question. Oh definitely. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> and um, you know, I I presented about a year ago at a conference in Russia talking about the king of the um, the Buddhist underworld, King Yama as a monster. And a lot of the criticisms were like, well, that's a Western term. And and I do think, though, that as a term, it has value to think about religious figures as monstrous as monsters, and what can be gained from that, Um, because they are terrifying, and they're intended to be terrifying for for religious
3: practitioners. Yeah, Yeah, we've been talking a lot about. Sorry, just quickly, we've been talking a lot about the whole process of where scary monsters are being made into sort of uh, pop culture commodities.
0: Uh, which and-
3: defang, declawed. I, I've been calling it the g- gentrification, which I'm pretty excited about. Television
0: like- <laughs> ads and comedy.
3: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well,
4: and in, um, in teaching online, I've been trying to make sure my students are watching the videos, um, the kind of Zoom lectures that I put up, and so I've been hiding Easter eggs in them where I will sometimes ask them to send me a picture that tells me what students have been watching so far. Um, and for one video, an nice. uh, Easter egg was a little stuffed animal of Cthulhu that I held up and said, you know, I am Cthulhu, the dark lord of the underworld, you know, or dark lord, that's the underworld, the elder god under the sea. Um, Please send me, uh, if you send a picture of me to Dr. Michaels, I'll put a good word in for you and you might get a point of extra credit. Um, And all above the board, every photo was, every like picture I got from like the one third of the students that sent me photos were Cute Cthulhu's. Well, it's like cute, or there are a couple of sexy Cthulhu's which made me feel very weird. (laughs) What makes it sexy? (laughs) Uh, It was like wow, girl outfit, and I I didn't know what to do with that. A lot of them were really cute Cthulhu's, but like you, you know be on a shirt or something. So fully uh, that, that gentrification, that defanging them. Yeah, Was that yeah,
3: the, the yeah. tide come in, the tide to go out, nobody can explain it. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so another uh, course that you've been teaching is a, a class on hell. I'm yeah. very interested in that. Can you tell us a bit about your class?
3: Yeah.
4: Sure. Um, so this is seminar. I've taught it now uh, three or, or I think four times actually now at Texas State University i um, have okay. been trying to get a religious studies major at Texas State University, and it just went forward, um, so we were able to accept students in the fall. Um, but as part of that, they wanted um, really high interest courses and courses that didn't require a lot of um, specific knowledge coming into them, so that like could be taken as an elective by um, almost anyone. Um, and so through this, I developed a course on kind of cross-cultural comparative ideas of hell. Um, because this is one of my big research interests, and it's something that I, I find really very, very interesting. Um, and so the course kind of goes roughly chronological, and um, but kind of, I say roughly, kind of it starts with kind of a conversation about what is hell. And that's kind of the overarching question that myself and the students try to ask is, Is hell just of a concept in Abrahamic religious traditions? Can we say that the Buddhist things that we think of as hells, are they really hell Um, or are they not? Is it inappropriate? Like, are we just applying Western terms to describe something that's very, very different? Um, And so that's sort of the overarching question. But we start um, with the Greeks, with the Aeneid and with the Zoroastrians, this great text called the book of art we're off. You can find it for free online. Um, cool. and it is our, one of our, I, I would say actually the, I cannot think of an earlier journey to hell story where someone goes to hell, sees all the punishments, um, and so we start there, and then we end up with Hell in the Movies, and talking about kind of Hellraiser, and I we do a comparative of things like Hellraiser, I said, and and Ted and um. Was Bill, and Bill and, excellent and Ted's answer. excellent. Bill Ted's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And a raise and a thing. glass
3: to Max von Sydow. So yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> um. So. It's a really fun course and it's cool because yeah, we get to a lot of cultures and kind of students get to be really creative. Um mm-hmm. two of my favorite texts that we talk about in this course I actually have them here. Um uh one is this book travels in the netherworld. I'm gonna try to hold it up. Yeah, um nice, oh,
3: yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. This is a great book about kind of Tibetan Buddhist ideas of hell. There's this thing in Tibetan Buddhism called a daylok who is a person who dies, goes to hell sees all the horrors and then either gets sent back or sometimes Yama's like oh you just had the same name as someone we were going to kill um
3: (laughs) bureaucracy (laughs) is a kind of hell
4: (laughs) and and this is a great book because it explains it all like in really kind of cool layman's terms because like I said these students are expected to not have any kind of prior knowledge um so there's lots of great kind of grisly detail you know rivers of of fat floating down and 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 all sorts of the kinds of things you want in hell literature um the other thing that uh, we also talk about and this is one that I've just done for the first time this semester um I don't have a pdf of it uh, is a round trip to hell in a flying saucer (laughs) By Cecil Michael. Uh, <laughs> this text came to my attention through Gabe McKee, um, who's the librarian for collections and service at the Institute for the Study of the Ancient World at New York University. Um, but he also, in addition to doing that, has this interest in kind of UFO literature. Um, and so 1953 is when it was written, and it is—if you can find a copy of this—it is the most bizarre text because it is not what you think it is. It's not. The kind of like yeah you know, you know the was the alien intrusion movie that Joe and I we've been on here before talking about <laughs> yeah. where like aliens are actually demons. It's not that at all. It is something else entirely, and it is written by an auto mechanic who has seems have no evidence of writing anything before. Um, it's great.
5: It's wow, awesome. the, cool title. Compare to <laughs> is the movie Phantasm.
3: Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> wow,
5: in the sense that. It, it's actually more disturbing than kind of, oh, all the aliens are really demons, right? I mean, one interpretation of this text is what we think of as hell is this bizarre exploitation of our labor by forces <laughs> we can never understand. <laughs> um, and you, you do wonder reading it, is this, am I reading the writings of a schizophrenic person? You know, what, what exactly is this text? Because yeah. there no.
4: are there are these lots of really interesting scenes because the author is an auto mechanic where... The aliens who maybe are angels are just invisible in his auto mechanic shop while people walk in and are just there for weeks. And he describes it. And there's no explanation for why they're doing that, there's no explanation for what's happening. Um, it's really fascinating. It's a cool text.
3: It sounds a lot like Richard Shaver and his welding entry into the uh, Shaver mysteries and the Darrow and all that stuff. Do do you dive straight into hell, or do you start off with like some explanatory purgatory?
0: <laughs> 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 start the Greek
4: underworld, which we're like, is this a hell? Because a lot of people say, well, that's our first story about hell. But no one's being tortured. There's no kind of head honcho being like, these are your punishments. It's just. Boring blah forever. And it's like, is this really hell? Yeah. Because <laughs> what hell is on the first day, everyone's like, will this be torture? And there's a devil, and like, none of that is
0: disappointing.
4: Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. It, it, you think you're going to hell, but it seems kind of persephone. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> I've got to interject here. I haven't been watching the chat. Is there a oh, chat? Oh, hey, have we had yeah. any questions? I haven't been following it tonight, so.
3: Sorry, I, I've been occasionally. I've been sort of seeing. Uh, apparently, I'm making people drink when I do puns. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've made me drink for years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, usually we have uh, some questions come through for the guests, and I, so I haven't been watching it, and. I I know we've got a lot of people out there who are. I think they're having of, a fun
3: time. It's people are talking about drinking, and uh,
4: <laughs> yeah, they're drinking. Uh, shout out to Meridian Hive Mead from Austin, Texas. Mead, valid. Oh, got go. carbonated mead. It's very nice. Nice. Free. Gluten
3: free. Gluten free. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I. You know Twizzlers. Gluten free. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Lots of things are yeah, surprisingly gluten free. But, uh, Joe, just a question about the satanic temple. Do they have a position on hell at all?
3: They're for it.
5: <laughs> so you can read the, their seven tenets, and they basically say, you know, we only believe in things that can be determined by science, by you know, mm-hmm. the current findings of science. So I think most of them would say, you know, we assume that there's, there's no afterlife. I talked to them about, you know, well, what if somebody – was really into everything you guys do, but just happened to believe in God or happened to believe in the afterlife. And they said, well, we're not, you know, we don't think it's our place to sort of kick people out. We don't have a kind of satanic inquisition or something like that. Of course they're, they're welcome, but this is our kind of position statement. So it, as far as metaphysics go, they, they assume that none of it uh, is real because there's no evidence for it.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah.
4: One of the interesting things with teaching this hell class is it really kind of throws relief how, you know, something that educators don't talk about is that every group of students is very different. And when you walk into the classroom, the classroom kind of makes this energy and you don't know what energy you're going to get. And I find that with the hell class because it's on something that is in some ways so personal and so gripping, but also um, kind of funny a little bit. Cause a lot of these hell texts, like you know that the author was kind of trying to be like, hey, 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 look, she's getting yeah. her boobs ripped in half. Boobies. I said, boobies, you know, that the students are really different. And so I've had some classes where they walked in and be like, well, hell is dumb. This is all dumb. Religion is dumb. We're all dumb. And and so I had to kind of push back and be like, what is actually happening here for these people? And then other times I have classes where everyone is very convinced hell is real. And it's just taking everything at face value. And it's like, oh, this person went to hell. And I'm like, well, we have two people that went to hell, one that saw Yama as the you know, lord of the underworld and sent some people on to be reincarnated, and one that saw the devil as a prisoner, and others that saw the devil as a prince. Like, so we have three things that cannot be true. Um, this particular class that I've been um, working with online uh, due to the corona has been really interesting because a lot of students um, didn't know what the class was when they signed up. And so uh, it's sort of fun. I'm excited for them to learn like, oh, we're talking about this all semester. So I thought it was going to be like a couple of weeks.
5: Because we have a standard (laughs) seminar called Myth and Cosmology. And some students thought you learned about the stars or something because it said cosmology. Cosmology.
3: (laughs) I I learned about the differences between foundation and base. Right. Um, But was like... was a joke just for my wife okay so the, <laughs> do you guys um talk about the sort of um metatextual issues around, like so for example I'm, I'm thinking here in terms of uh, how dante and milton's texts have influenced uh, christian thought like how much of what our concepts of the afterlife are have to do with these sort of fictional things that were never intended to be scriptural but have like influenced the way people believe
4: Definitely, and that's what we end up talking about when we talk about Hell of the Movies is how our ideas of what hell is are way more influenced by pop culture things like Milton and Dante or like Hellraiser or you know, kind of popular movies that we have today than they really ever are by scriptural texts. So when you go this in the, in the, in the kind of um, Christian Bible, one of the kind of hard things for the Christian Bible is that the words that get translated as hell were you know it's it's a translation these were never really intended to be hell um as far as we can understand and bart Ehrman has a great book out on this right now um
3: oh, what really i didn't know he had a new one out what's it about it's
4: called about um kind of is hell and heaven and the bible and his conclusion is kind of spoiler alert no um because <laughs> uh jesus was the second temple jew and it seems like they believed as as best we can tell is that second temple jews believed you you die and when the Messiah came back, if you were good, you would get bodily resurrected, but only if your body existed. If you were bad, a criminal, or someone that the sight did like, they just threw your body into this giant burning trash heap called Gehenna. But as Christianity spread outside of, of kind of Israel and outside this little area, um, people had never seen Gehenna. And so they read, oh, your body gets tossed into the fires of Gehenna. Well, there must be some place
3: where you're right, right.
4: tortured. Um, and then eventually the Greeks got involved, and, and they had totally different ideas about the underworld.
3: I keep you keep talking about uh, uh, Hellraiser, and so I'm going to do my uh, look. I'm Butterball. Okay, that's it. That was that was, that was, that was my, my LARP. I, I, Very I'm a nice. Big, big fan. Big fan. So I can't do Pinhead because you know.
4: And I should. I will also talk about. There's a great film from the '80s in Japan called Jukoku which is a a Japanese detective who dies and goes to a Buddhist underworld of hell. And they were just starting to experiment with like colors and like using kind of psychedelic colors. That's really cool in there.
3: Oh yes. By the way, so one of our listeners, yes, Thelonious, but Milton is pop culture back then. So
4: (laughs) And, And I have to constantly remind students Dante is not, scripture and right dante's not scripture
3: also <laughs> pop culture yeah
4: and, does not say that its
3: time. and what a whiny dude my god he's like <laughs> I'm, and i'm gonna i have a good friend who's a scholar
4: of dante and if she ever sees this she will disown me i think dante's overrated oh, i well. i'm my hot take i do not like dante so, so.
3: that's funny well, he, he peaked a long time ago so
0: yeah so. yeah <laughs> So what's
4: other? I was going to say the best part about the Inferno is when, like, in the second, he Dante's descending to hell, and then he he meets all these great poets, Homer and and Virgil, all these great poets, and they like give him a crown of leaves and say, "You are among us." And I'm like, "Ah, Dante!"
3: Yeah. Come on, come on, right? It's like
5: Mary Sue. Oh.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Sorry, sorry. Dante. Sue
0: we're into our, our last 10 minutes of the show. The show's going really quickly. Um, but uh, I just want to know what guy, what uh, other projects you guys are working on, because uh, Joe, haven't you got something coming out about exorcisms?
5: Sure. Um, so Penguin contacted me, which is a, a huge deal because I've, I've written several books for academic presses, but normally to get into something like Penguin, you need to hire an agent and all this sort of stuff. Um, and they do a yeah. series called, which has been featured on Monster Talk. as the Penguin book of, in the blank. So Penguin Book of the Undead, Penguin Book of Witches, Penguin Book of Hell. And these sell very well. And I asked if I could do a Penguin Book of Exorcisms. um, And that has been put together. And we're going to have that out, hopefully, by Halloween um, 2020. Um, But that's going to have some classic texts on on exorcism from um, the Western tradition, but also from um, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, from Haitian voodoo, um, I even found an account of an exorcism from uh, an Indian reservation up in Washington state. Um, and also some texts that were pretty much lost. Um, and another text that, that, that I had to go into archives to find. Another thing I'm really excited about is the uh, Indiana demon house, which was covered a, a, a long oh, time gosh. ago. I, I found the original uh, letter requesting a bishop to approve that exorcism and uh, mm-hmm. the, the priest who did the exorcism gave me permission to publish it uh, in the book. So from someone who, who cool. knows church history, because all, all Catholic exorcisms are supposed to have approval from a bishop, so this paper trail must exist, but it's never been available to the public before to look at, right? How do you actually convince your mm-hmm. bishop, this case is serious enough, <laughs> you should give me permission to, to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the danger outweighs any potential embarrassment, for example, to the, <laughs> to, to the church, um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how it came out. I think it's going to be a, a, a good good read when it's, when it's published.
0: That's cool. great. Is it just put together by you, or do you have a, other contributors?
5: Um, it's me with lots of help, right? So <laughs> one thing I'm telling people is I could not have done this project without librarians, right, without professional librarians who maintain archives and special collections. Uh, this simply would have been uh, impossible. And there were lots of people that I tapped for... Uh, Translations of other languages or um, cultural context. If it's a if it's a religion or a tradition I'm not very familiar with, Um, I had one friend who was a gymnast, and I said, um, you know, this account says this nun was levitating on everything but one elbow. You're a gymnast. Could you do that? And she's like, well, for how long? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so all kinds of experts were involved. In, in- well, and,
3: and a gymnast can also give you uh, feedback on X4 size. So that's good. That's
0: right. Yes. So, <laughs> Just a few more minutes, guys, hanging in. We,
3: we're going to make it. <laughs> yeah.
0: that, that's a really exciting project. That's really cool that you were invited to do that. Because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to hit him up for his, uh, his contact at Penguin. <laughs>
3: that's right.
5: nice. It's, yeah. <laughs> Well, the other thing that, that we should mention is we are doing an edited volume from the conference, from the Gods and Monsters Conference, and that's coming out from mm-hmm. Lexington Books. Um, and so currently I am uh, wrangling all of our uh, scholars and authors into getting me their their, their drafts, um, but that will be forthcoming.
0: Um, Someone in, in this <laughs> interview right now? Blake Smith, guys. Oh, a it's little, a little late to yeah. submit. <laughs>
3: I, I, I'm thinking about uh, sympathizing with demons uh, because, um, like me in high school, they're all outcasts. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> your things, it yeah, his background is in academia. So it's a different world,
3: mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> scary world. <laughs> oh wow! I was looking to see if there's any any other. Everybody's talking about what they're drinking and 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 ragging me for making puns. Um,
0: yeah that's, but, and you're surprised
3: a typical episode so <laughs> but, just normal well what else i mean is there anything else going on you guys are working on or i think that's enough is no <laughs> no we have five minutes to kill karen we need to squeeze a little more out. are you guys doing any role-playing in this i mean you know um we had a
4: D anD D campaign um, organized that we were doing um,
3: before the quarantine. Before the quarantine. Before the quarantine. Okay. Yeah. So it's hard to keep up.
4: Yeah. So we're hoping to get back to that. Um, yeah. So I've been working on uh, my research, like I said, on Buddhist hells and um, on this particular episode of a Tibetan epic where the hero descends to hell named King Gesar, um, and doing a lot of thinking about kind of stories. And I think this idea of popular culture and like Dante and Milton were popular culture is Mm -hmm. totally germane to this. And this idea that there are certain Mm -hmm. stories that influence people's religious ideas outside of uh, kind of religious institutions. Um, Mm -hmm. Kind of trying to pin that down in Tibet where um, it can be hard sometimes to pin anything down. Well,
5: this is the Tibetan version of what we're just talking about, right? What is religious pop culture? Yes. And what is the canon and how these things influence the way people see the world? Yeah. So, because um, I've been
4: when I've done research in Tibet, one thing that always strikes me is that um, you know Tibetans don't want to talk about. I mean, they're, they're Buddhist; but they don't want to talk about like these sutras or these tantras. They want to talk about these kinds of canonical scriptures. What they want to talk about is that one time King Gesar went to hell and then like battled a bunch of demons. <laughs> Wasn't that really cool? Um, <laughs> so Buddhism's so powerful because King Gesar did that. Um, and, and I think there's something really important there. So, yeah.
5: working on putting that into words.
3: Uh-huh. Very cool.
5: Yeah. We really... Very briefly, talk about how Geysar defeated the Third Reich. Yes. yes
0: it's very do. briefly. <laughs> he
4: was
5: briefly <very laughs> Right quick,
3: like.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> so, King Gesar is this hero. And, um, and there was a Tibetan lama who, or kind of a Tibetan bard, who heard about um world war ii after the fact and heard about how terrible it was and said well king geysart could have taken on the third reich um, and so wrote this text it's called the imaginative fantasy of king geysart defeating the nazi of germany and it's about king geysart defeating the nazis of germany um, and it's, you know, it's not going to be history. It's an imaginative fantasy uh, and <laughs> a great text. And so that's what I want to translate and turn it into a graphic novel. If I can just find a, yeah, to translate cool. and find a good artist. Fantastic. <laughs>
3: so. Wow. I mean, you know, the, um, I think it's funny. I, I think it was DC. I might be, this is where I get all the comics fans mad at me, but I think it was DC that took on the, uh, the legend of the spear of destiny as being the reason why the superheroes couldn't actually intervene in World War II. I mean, maybe it was Marvel, though, because I think DC had, um, I mean, sort of Wonder Woman was kind of involved in fighting Nazis. Captain America was fighting Nazis. It must, must have been Captain America's, you know what? I should never talk about comics because it's <laughs> wor- it's worse than talking about religion. It's worse. It's worse. <laughs> It's worse. You get people more mad at you.
0: <laughs> and this could go on for a long time as well. Yeah,
3: yeah. But no, I remember the Spear of Destiny being used by one of the big two uh, as being a, a reason why the, there was an intervention. I have to look that up. But I, I've always been fast. Well, always. you know, I've been a long time fascinated with that, the way those sort of legends sort of let you do post-rationalization um, uh, for why things turned out the way they did. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, Karen, since we're talking about books, uh, yours is almost done, isn't it? Because I know you've been working like a dog trying to finish it up, right?
0: Yeah, I'm just doing the final proof now and uh, fixing all of the the errors that the copy editor inserted.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice! It's, it's nice. at
0: that point, but um, yeah. So, on the offensive, prejudice, in language, past and present. So that's coming out uh, in about October. And uh, yeah, I'm very jealous of, of Joe for putting out two books this year before I can even get one out. So. Uh,
3: well, it says I I got none. Okay, but I'm working.
0: <laughs> you're you're on it. You're on it. on it. I'm
3: on it. On it. So I, I have you're made sorry. a lot of coffee and food for my kids and done other things. So, so when I don't have that book, when I want it done. Uh, I, know I think we've that got, all
0: got less time than we thought we would have yeah, during this yeah, quarantine. Yeah. So,
3: <laughs> I thought by now for sure I would have won the lottery. So yeah, I don't know what happened. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> Natasha, Joe, thank you so much for spending time with us.
0: Always great to talk with you. A lot of fun. absolutely, yeah.
3: And uh, I'll well, get that back to you real soon. I've got to finish reading Ellis. So, <laughs> <don't worry>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to uh, end this live stream. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks. Bye,
0: everyone. Thanks for joining us.
3: Uh, Follow us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash monster talk. Monster talk. You've been listening to a podcast version of Monster Talk Live, a special feature that we recorded during 2020. Links to the video version of these episodes are in the show notes. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'll work to continue to provide good content there, including more streaming events in the future. Monster Talk is a listener-supported program, and your subscription at patreon.com forward slash monster talk sustains us during these difficult times. Thank you for your support and for your positive reviews. I'm Blake Smith, and along with my co-host Karen Stolzno, we ask you to join us in being the voice of reason and science in a world that's perilous with nonsense, superstition, and dangerous misinformation. Shine your lights, everyone. Even a flickering candle can be seen for miles in the darkness. And together we are stronger. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening.